everyone, and welcome to Powering Experiences, brought to you by Samsung Semiconductor Inc., a show where we sit down with leaders in the field of semiconductor memory, storage, processors, sensors, and everything in between to take a closer look at the intersection of advanced technology and everyday life. I'm your host, Nick Stoll, and we're here today with Tian Shaw, our Senior Manager of Memory Marketing. Tian has worked in product marketing and as a product manager, and he's joining me to talk about AI and its upcoming applications in gaming. Hi, Tian. Welcome. Uh, for our listeners, if you could, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Samsung. Sure. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I've been at Samsung for about seven years now. Um, I started off in uh, product marketing for the uh, storage area. And then in the last four years, I've been in high-speed DRAM product marketing. So um, this type of memory is typically used in uh, applications that require very high performance. So things like AI and you know computer graphics are certainly a couple of those areas. Yeah, and so it kind of sounds like just the nature of your job already puts you at that intersection of AI and gaming, and and so. From a very high level, can you share some insights into how uh, artificial intelligence is going to significantly impact uh, the gaming landscape? Sure. Uh, so if we think of AI, I mean, AI is all around us today. Um, basically, bottom line in terms of what AI does for us is improve the user experience, right? So whether it be things like autonomous driving that people are talking about, improving the shopper experience to you know, um, affecting how games are played and displayed. So one of the areas that uh, it certainly impacts gaming is in terms of visuals, right? Improving visuals in gaming. Yeah, and to kind of drill down on those those visuals you're talking about, um, I think we've used the term uh, in some of our, you know, social media posts and things we've put out there, upscaling. Uh, and what is that upscaling how does it benefit the players and like what does it mean to them? Sure. Upscaling is basically a way of improving the graphic fidelity, right? Of uh, or the resolution and uh, the the frame rate, right? Of uh, the the game to the uh, to the user. So there are many ways to do upscaling. Uh, one of the ways in which uh, AI is improving um, the graphic fidelity is in technologies such as DLSS. So that's technology um, that's developed by one of our customers, NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. Um, it stands for Deep Learning Super Sampling. Um, it's an example of, like I said, using AI to get better frame rates, where basically, you know, um, deep learning is used to essentially upscale lower resolu- resolution images to high resolution with less computation. So without using this technology, you would have had to have much higher processor and memory speeds than you would need to because they do this by using essentially a uh, neural network that's trained in the data center to map ideal images um, to their lower resolution counterparts. And they do this correlation and once um, this network is quote unquote trained in AI, we talk about training. Uh, once this is trained, the data is basically um, packaged and sent to the user in the form of a game driver. So if gamers are probably familiar with drivers that you know 
that they need to update on occasion. So these are basically improvements that uh, the developer makes uh, as time goes on, and then they update the driver and the user, you know, uses the latest driver that has these trained networks contained with it to, to improve their gameplay. Yeah, and you know, as someone listening, um, you know, they might think the AI is helping, uh, you know, see better images uh, with less processing power, but they also might think they know AI takes a good amount of computing power. So how, how does it um, end up benefiting the computer and, and, and that processor for the gaming? Uh, and, you know, what's that trade-off between memory and processing? And, and how does AI actually bridge that gap? Yeah, like I mentioned, the, um, as it applies to DLSS, it's trained actually on much powerful computers in a data center. Like these are big servers, right, that uh, actually crunch, uh, the, uh, does the training on the uh, neural network, which is, you know, a lot of these neural networks are billions of nodes, right? So it's not something that you can do on a home PC. Mm-hmm. So it's done in a big data center. But once the result is completed, that the result of that is uh, packaged in form in the form of a driver that's sent to the end user, so they can use their you know standard PC to take advantage of something that was essentially computed and completed in uh, on much larger, more powerful computers. Yeah, excellent. And I mean, we both know that you know AI is just not helping you know images look better. It does way more than that. Um, <laughs> another one of the things um, you've kind of worked with and, and spoke about before is the natural language processing. So, how does that natural language processing you know help gamers and and how does it improve their experience? Sure. So, if you think of player interactions, right, with uh, basically computer characters, the non-playable uh, characters uh, or NPCs, right? Um, a lot of these are scripted dialogue today. Um, so you kind of know uh, after playing the game, maybe through a couple of times, how the NPCs would react, right? And, and speak back. So it's very limited. Um, yeah. Using uh, natural language um, uh, basically generation, which is something that we can do today with AI, with the large uh, networks that we're talking about, it makes the interaction much more lifelike and realistic, right? But uh, this obviously takes a lot of compute power. So if um, so we're not showing anything visually today, this is, mm-hmm. since this is a podcast, but just verbally, I'll kind of go over, you know, the size of these neural networks that are required. So, so if we talk about maybe six years ago, a state-of-the-art neural network uh, for computer vision that was developed by Microsoft um, called ResNet, for those um, people familiar with neural nets, it had 26 million parameters for, for training. Compare that to language generation, it's 175 billion parameters. So we're talking basically, you know, orders of magnitude larger, right, in terms of processing power that's required. And this is over the span of just last six years, right? This is why basically a lot of companies need very, very high-speed memory. Because a lot of people, when they think about a compute problems, they just think about throwing more compute power, right? 
to, to solve the problem. But uh, a system, you have to know where the bottleneck is. And a lot of times, the bottleneck isn't the processor speed. The bottleneck could be the memory that's in the system. So you got to balance that out. And what we're finding and what a lot of our customers are finding is that memory is really the bottleneck and this is not necessarily the processor. So that's where Samsung memory, this Samsung high-speed memory comes into play. So what kind of Samsung memory is being used by our customers who do this kind of high-performance computing? Well, so so, um, high-bandwidth memory, which um, is HPM, which is one of the uh, memory products that Samsung provides, is being used already in um, a lot of these training applications. So our top customers um, and a lot of uh, startups right now who are designing ASICs for AI applications recognize that HPM memory is kind of the memory of choice for AI because they need the speed. Um, no other form of DRAM matches the speed of HBM. So it's become that memory of choice when people need to run their AI applications. You know, all these games nowadays have these in-game purchases. Mm. You know, you got you got things to buy, whether it's a, a, a new skin or a wrap or uh bells and whistles or you know even uh, some some content and stuff so how does ai end up you know in that space and, and how can it affect in-game purchases and how can that actually help the gamer rather than kind of target them yeah so what you're speaking to is kind of a form of data mining right so um certainly another area where ai helps uh, the game developer tremendously from a revenue standpoint right so uh, we all kind of understand how Amazon, um, you know, looks at consumer behavior and provides the best recommendations to improve your shopping experience, right? That's a form of data mining. Um, and that's done by observing user behavior while they're on their site. So games do something similar as well. While the user is playing, um, Basically, the game can observe the user's behavior and tendencies and see what the user likes to do. Um, And from this learning of behavior, uh, recommend uh, popular items for the gamer to purchase, right? So whether it be to improve a certain skill or to add certain skins based on the type of characters that they like, all these... um, in-game purchases uh, help fund the development of additional games, right? Because many popular games today are free to play, right? So uh, you kind of wonder, well, if you don't need to buy the game, they're free to play. Well, how does the developer make any money out of this? So they analyze how people use the game and then they they have in-game purchases to do that. And if I could summarize kind of what we've talked about, you know, uh, in the very near future, it sounds like gamers at all levels will start to see AI and how it can influence their predictability, uh, the intelligence and adaptability of a lot of their favorite games. Um, and is there anything else uh, on top of that that you think our listeners should should know about this um, upcoming uh, frontier in gaming? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about this maybe earlier in terms of how NPCs or non-player characters traditionally, you know, um, 
their behavior is more predictable over time, not only in the way they interact, but in the way they might be fighting in a game if you're playing a, like a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because they use decision tree techniques, right? So it's built-in algorithm. Uh, so once you play the game long enough, uh, the players know how to defeat it. <laughs> this is something players call uh, you know, artificial stupidity, right? Because <laughs> you can kind of predict how the algorithm is going to react. So using AI, um, you know, uh, you can have adaptive intelligent behaviors um, to bring about more human-like gameplay, right? But Mm -hmm. of course, you don't want the um, AI to be super smart that nobody can beat it, right? (laughs) You want it to get to kind of a level where it's kind of like another good human player, right? And if you think about AI when it's used for this purpose in games, um, it started with strategy games, right? Like chess, right? That's traditional one. And Go. Go was considered a very difficult game to to use AI. But now, you know, the best chess and Go AI beat the very best human players in the world, right? So basically, humans can't beat these AI machines if you you know, uh, if you tap it to its full potential. So I think what's important is to to make the AI smart enough to to make it challenging, but not impossible to beat. Yeah, I, I know I myself could definitely use a little bit more of that artificial stupidity while I'm playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Tian, thank you for joining us today. Uh, you've been fantastic, and uh, we're really glad you came on. You've been listening to Powering Experiences, brought to you by Samsung Semiconductor Inc. The show's executive producer has been Melanie Nelson. Producers include Lisa Warren Plungy and Danny Pugh, with creative direction from Andrea Karim. Until next time, I'm your host, Nick Stoll. I hope you learned something today.